Hi Bruce. Um, well, I, I I was born quite close to I think where you were. I was born in Potchefstroom in the North Sorry. West Province. Sorry. <laughs> I know a lot of people say that. <laughs> and the other best thing about being born in the Free State or Northwest is that you can come from there. You don't have to go there. Anyway, let's not be unkind to small towns. Uh, my small town was smaller than your small town, but yes, you I were born and grew up in Porch. In Porch, I have three brothers mom and a dad and i attended potch central primary and potch girls high before i went off to university three brothers older or younger than you two older they're twins and i've got one younger brother okay so older twins where do you fit in the pecking order of the family because that's often quite telling and um, because you know you are a single strong-minded individual um did you put them in their place early on I think I certainly did. I was the only female as such in in the children. My mom was also there. Um, I was also a middle child. <laughs> and I had to keep up, I guess. And as we all know, back in the day, I mean, I'm, you know, um, I'm not exactly a, a very much youngster, but I think back in the day, you had to keep up as a female. Otherwise, you could get steamrolled. And what, what were mom and dad's professions? So my father, he still is an attorney, but he has a very keen eye for the financial markets. Um, he really does like the stock market and he's uh, done quite well in the property market too. My, my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom for the most part, but uh, he also got her involved in various businesses. She ran Cardi's, uh, a Cardi's franchise store in Potchefstroom for a point. Uh, she was head of the PTA. Um, and my dad also got my mom interested in the stock market herself. He encouraged her to go and pick some stocks and be responsible for them. And uh, how did that then translate to your experience at home around the dinner table? Because that is, you know, in, in, in households where money is discussed openly, and I imagine that it was, um, it becomes a, a fabulous sort of breakfast, lunch, and dinner conversation. Was it uh, uh, a big item of co- conversation, money and investing in markets? It was, but in what I would describe as a very healthy way, so in a fun way. My father always made it very fun for us. Um, one example would be him <laughs> setting out a list of companies, and I could, I mean, I just started reading, and say, him saying, well, do you recognize any of these? And, and there was uh-huh. one chicken producer... <laughs> that I recognized. And he told me every time I went to the grocery store that I should have a look in the fridge at the particular grocery store and, and come back and tell him if people are buying that particular company's chickens and whether the price per kilogram was changing. Another example was um, we would go out for dinner. Back in the day, Mike's Kitchen was quite the hot spot in Potchefstroom. And at the end of the dinner, before the bill arrived, we all as kids had to try and guess what the bill would come to so that we would understand what things cost. And if you were within five rand, you would get, oh, I can't remember now, it's either 50% of the bill as a, as a prize, something like that. My goodness gracious me. I mean, you had no choice in your career then, did you? Because this stuff was being drummed into you at a very young age. <laughs> I actually beg to differ. So I, my parents always said to us, you know, 
get a solid undergraduate degree. Um, and we're all lucky enough to be able to go to university and then do what you want after that. You know, once you've got that solid undergraduate degree, you then have the privilege to go and explore other things. Um, I was actually very interested in my second year at university. Instead of doing economics, I wanted to go to advertising school. Um, I, I think I did, well, I always thought I had a creative side of me. <laughs> and economics in second year is quite boring, actually. So um, it was jumped into me, but I think it was actually... It helped me understand behavior, which is what I think is a very important thing to understand as an economist. Explain that, what, how it helped you uh, develop, understand behavior. So I remember my father, my dad, talking about the various stocks that he, had, that he owned and then drilling down into the companies themselves and understanding you know, who the CEO was and who the senior management were and, and how when the stock moved too quickly, how, how quickly people would chase that. Um, and then of course the greed would come into play and then we would watch it and giggle it. I even remember some trips back from Johannesburg, which was always an exciting trip when you're living in Cochester. <laughs> via, via Coltonville, uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Well, all the mines as well. And he would always yeah. point out the mines and tell us which ones were listed and what they did. But I remember him always turning on SAFM at 6 p.m. Um, as the sun was going down to listen to all the share prices and listen to the stocks and then explain to us that some of them have moved far too quickly. People are getting greedy. And, and that's what I mean about behavior is understanding yeah. how people within companies work and how people that own investments work and him himself. I think that was also, it was valuable watching him. Um, and I mean, so that conversation was, I mean, have any of your siblings gone into financial markets at all? Have any of your siblings sort of followed your, your line of work? Yes. Um, in fact, I'd also I'd say we all kind of do. Um, <laughs> one of my older I brothers, told you there was yes. no choice. <laughs> you tried to fight with me, but no, there was no choice. <laughs> but we really do enjoy it. And and one of my mm. older brothers, one of the twins, um, he's in a very senior position um, in in one of the global banks. Uh, one of his his twin, my other older brother, is CEO of one of the consulting firms here in South Africa. And then my younger brother actually got shipped off to Silicon Valley about three years ago, um, not by choice. He really does love South Africa, but um, he he's in robo advisory, which of course is very exciting in the financial market industry at the moment. No, but it's fair. I mean, the thing is, it, it there is so much that we learn at home, and so much uh, informs you know the way we think. And you you may have become uh, a so, yeah somebody who wanted to surf all day, and that would have been fine too. But um, it, it's you clearly had a bent for it. You clearly had a, an aptitude and a desire to learn. Um, and you played the game. You played the game. How I mean, and, and growing up and going to university, you got you got an element of privilege to you by choosing to become an economist, that curiosity in behavior must have been instrumental. Absolutely. And in a way, I'd also say that I chose economics, but then the profession profession almost chose me. I studied economics until you can't study it anymore. And then I joined Standard Bank's graduate program. But I was just rotating through, you know, all sorts of um, departments uh, within Standard Bank. And at the time, South Africa was about to start its first proper house price boom. And um, they required more analysis on the housing market, which is, is, of course, something that anyone would throw a junior economist into. So 
you know, I could have landed up somewhere else, but I was always interested in how things work um, and behavior and it just came naturally. And so in a way there was luck, but in a way there was also pursuit of it. Mm. Now, how does it affect your attitude towards money today? I mean, clearly, as an economist, you're dealing with macro issues. You're dealing with big picture issues. You you feel the same angst as all of us do with economic twists and turns and machinations and whether South Africa is going to have to go cap in hand at some point in the future to the IMF and the impact that's going to have on the value of our money. I mean, all of this stuff is a brutal reality of living in South Africa. Can you be objective about your money in an environment where where you are dealing with the cut and thrust of the theory each and every single day? Well, it's definitely more difficult to be objective. Um, I think also as you get older and you take on more responsibilities, I mean, my husband and I have three children, you know, and and South Africa is becoming ever more volatile, um, especially in the current pandemic we're in. So if anything, I shy away from debt. I don't like that that obligation. I, it makes me feel almost trapped in a way. And I actually, re, I mean, I recall as a child when South Africa was going through some of those crazy roller coaster interest rate cycles, um, you know, when my parents did have debt, it was just, it, it was suffocating at times, you know, with four children and suddenly interest rates are going up beyond 20%. So, you know, debt in itself is something I shy away from. I, I don't believe in a quick buck. So no pyramid schemes ever going to get my interest. Um, in fact, uh, you know, I, I have to sit on something for a very long time and I prefer a very long-term view um, in any investment. I think there is no quick win at the end of the day. I think everything takes a lot of foresight and a lot of effort, um, a lot of studies to, to look at it. And I guess <laughs> partly that is because I am always trying to analyze the the RAND, which we often laugh about as the random. And if that teaches us how volatile things can be, well, you can only look out over the medium to long term. Um, uh, Some personal questions. Do you own the property you live in? I mean, you say your dad made money in property, but a lot of people are quite apprehensive about the longer term future of South Africa, at least the medium term of South Africa. And many people are going, oh, you know what, I'll just rent going to rent, take all my money offshore. I'm going to um, be, be live light in South Africa. I want to live here. I want to make my future here, but I'm not going to make my future until I've got more certainty. And they sort of opt out of physical property ownership. Yes, we do own our property. We own our residential home that I'm currently sitting in right now because <laughs> lockdown means I can't go anywhere else. Um, but we do. And I think you are still able to make property choices in a sensible manner. Um, even in an economy that is more uncertain and and somewhat more volatile. But it always depends where. There are always pockets of opportunity, I believe. Um, How does an economist buy a house? You must be a nightmare to go and buy a house with. Because, I mean, you walk into a house and you would hate it because it wouldn't make economic sense Um, to to buy it. Or what do you like when it comes to to buying something like like a home for a family? with your economist hat on? No, well, well, this is where I break away a little bit. And firstly, I would say- This is your creative side, yes. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I also place value uh, on things that are less obviously monetary. So in other words, you know, I place a lot of value on whether the home we live in can be stress-free, can be welcoming, a place where I feel my children are safe, a place where, you know, we'll, we'll forge 
amazing memories. Um, and, and it's always difficult to put a value on that. And I'm not saying I pay up for it, but it's very important when looking at a home. Um, what I was going to say at, at the start was that I actually think it's my husband who's a nightmare because he's <laughs> the one who runs rings around the estate agents as to, you know, um, adjusting the, the, the contract and all of that. Um, so I think, you know, if you put us both together, we complement the way we look at residential property. You know, he's he looks at it as a complete banker and I look at it with this, well, I'm an economist, but I also place value on things that are not um, absolutely monetary, if that makes sense. And then um, all offshore or a mix or opportunity in South Africa from an investment perspective? Oh, I think there's always a mix. And, and for South Africa, of course, there are always investment um, perspectives. I think, again, it just depends. <laughs> You've got to watch those cycles. You've got to see, you know, if you're concerned about the outlook of South Africa, well, what is resilient against those concerns? And there are certainly, again, sectors, um, areas within sectors, other asset classes that you can look towards. Um, but the bottom line for me is that I do not like to take on too much risk, which is why I like that longer tenure outlook. Then, uh, money skeletons, small and younger skeletons, we've all got them. Have you made a terrible blunder when it comes oh, to... Oh, it's such a terrible one. <laughs> which is? I, uh, and it was a lesson learned, so I'll happily talk about it. I'm not going to name the actual stock. Um, I'm not really permissive to either, but... You would imagine that as an economist, um, and, and, and I will, you know, allow myself <laughs> to be, I was a junior economist at the time. So Years ago, you were much, much younger. Yes, okay, got gotcha. Years ago. But it was just before the global financial crisis hits. So we're talking about, you know, the, the middle parts of, the later parts of 2007. And I received one of my first bonuses, however small that was at the time. And I put it straight into South Africa's banking sector, <laughs> which mm -hmm. at the time was a terrible mistake. But as I said earlier, um, it was also one of the best lessons learned. And by not doing anything with it and just sitting on it, it didn't turn out so badly <laughs> 10 years later. Okay. Got you. Got you on that. Do you have any bad money habits? Do you have a penchant for nice things? I do like to travel a lot and I, I, mm. I, I love new experiences. And I think where that, you know, I want my kids to see as much of the world as possible. I want us as a family to experience that, um, you know, I want them to be worldly. So, and, and I like to do it in comfort. So where possible, you know, I prefer not for mosquitoes to be buzzing around <laughs> and um, for it to be as stress-free as possible and also enjoyable. So that's probably it. Uh, and and you like family holidays? You like uh, you like experiencing um, good family holidays? Exactly. Uh, you know, for us, our kids are still fairly young, so we have been to Mauritius, for example, and and you know that you have to find a a, a good balance between um, <laughs> paying in US dollars, but also having an enjoyable experience. So so we do love um, family holidays. Well, Lionel Moleko is saying on Twitter this evening, he said, I didn't know Poch had that much talent. 
What shows how little he knows, because he's from Fulhundskron, like me, you see, is Lionel Moleko. Um, and so um, he, he doesn't know how much talent there was north of the river. Um, listen, Gina Skuban, you're a superstar. Thank you very much for coming on and telling us some tales about money. Lovely hearing about your influences. Thank you for sharing.